Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Monday, December the 2nd, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan, and I'm joined in studio by Jennifer Bray and Fia Kelly from our political staff, because over the weekend, the results were announced of the four by-elections in Dublin, Cork and Wexford, arising from the election of four TDs to the European Parliament earlier this year. The four contests saw two victories for Fianna Fáil and one apiece for the Greens and for Sinn Féin. Um, three out of four of those results were widely predicted, including this studio last week, Fia, and I suppose three out of four isn't bad, but let's start with the one you got wrong. Mark Ward's, <laughs> Mark Ward's win for Dublin in Dublin Midwest for Sinn Féin. Yeah, really uh, a bit of a coup for Sinn Féin. A, a great victory for them. Steadies the ship after an extremely trying year. In hindsight, I was out on a canvas with, with Mark Ward and Honor Bryn um, the week before, I think last week or the week before last, if you all blend into each other now. But they put in a huge effort uh, out there. I was in North Clondalkin with them and it looked to me, it was like a dull Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, just after lunch, they pretty much had emptied their research office, their press office, and had half the parliamentary party out canvassing two substantial teams in two different housing estates. When I was there, I'd say there was about 30 people. That was being done every day, morning and afternoon, and then they had monster canvasses the weekend. The interesting thing about it was that I went on the doors at Mark Ward, and he, he said to people, you know, make sure you turn out. It's very important people turn out, you know, or, 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 it didn't happen first in the local elections. That was a message they were... They were giving a lot. I think the unexpected thing perhaps that happened is that people often assume that their turnout in working class areas will be less than that in middle class areas. It seems that the reverse happened here, that Sinn Féin actually really drove their vote out in areas like North Clondalkin to get Mark Ward elected. And it's a testament to Owner Bryn's organisation and the effort, the sheer effort the party put into it. I mean, like when I said they had a lot of people out there, there was like an army out there canvassing when I was out there with them. So internally in Sinn Féin, it's a big feather in the cap for Ona Bryn, specifically in that constituency. You know, a lot of TDs aren't that keen in bringing in a second TD from their party with a with a general election looming. And it also pushes back, doesn't it, against that narrative that we've heard, as you said, since the local elections, that the, the, the much-vaunted Sinn Féin party machine is not what it used to be. There's maybe a bit of a, you know, the enthusiasm levels have dropped a little bit. There's not as many, you know, foot soldiers on the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. And they've sort of pushed back against that by this win. They've pushed back against I think it's exactly what, what they needed. Bear in mind, if we were sitting here today and we had a different set of results where the Greens had taken one, Fianna Fáil had taken two and possibly an independent or Fine Gael had taken one, you know, the momentum on the left would have been with the Greens, you know, the Greens would have been the fashionable, they are the fashionable political brand anyway, but like a Sinn Féin would have been probably washed away. Like we see that harder left brand of PVP, AAA is, you know, subsiding now I think what Sinn Féin has managed to do with this win is to decouple itself from that and present itself Owner Bryn was saying over the weekend that they wanted to present themselves after local elections local elections as a more solution focused party to say you know we just do not oppose we have measures that we want to introduce if we're in government and they seem to have done that in the last six months like that was on an almost immediate introspective conclusion they came to after local elections and I think they have done that they're not perhaps as angry as they may have seemed 
in the past while and it's a really really big one for Mary Lou MacDonald I think really really big and uh, I mean it wasn't just in Dublin Midwest they did well in, they didn't do so well in Wexford and, and, and in Fingal but they did fairly well in, in Cork which would indicate they'll be able to hold on to their seat there as well Jennifer Yeah they did fairly well in, in, in Cork North Central um, obviously they, they came in second place at Thomas Gould um, and it's pretty good considering that they lost four of their seats in the in the locals so I think they'd be very encouraged by that um, but in, in the case of Dublin Midwest, I think they were very strategic in picking that constituency. That was the one where they felt that they had the most chance of winning. And it's a real case study in hard graft and effective canvassing. They used this double canvassing strategy whereby they covered the entire constituency uh, at least once. Um, and then they targeted those areas, which would be Sinn Féin strongholds, a second time with all the various members of the parliamentary party. Um, areas such as Quarry Vale, North mm-hmm. Clondalk and Lucan. Um, and they they went at those areas hard, and they had Mary Lou out, and they had Jerry Adams out. I think for two full days, um, and so that they really really mm-hmm. focused on it. And and it is like you say, feather in the cap for Owen O'Brien. And yes, they they did quite well considering uh, in Cork North Central. So I think they have um, a lot of positives to to hang on to after the weekend, actually. And, and considering the position they were in in May, where it was really bad for Mary Lou Macdonald. Now swings and roundabouts. If I was Sinn Féin and Dublin Fingal, I would not be happy going into the general election. Uh, the overall share of the vote, I think, in Fingal was somewhere around 5%. Really, really poor performance, 5.3%, yeah. There is now a situation in Fingal where the five TDs in the constituencies, two are Malahide-based and three are based in Scaries, Joe O'Brien, Louise O'Reilly and Brendan Ryan from the Labour Party. You would have concerns for that seat of Louise O'Reilly's in a general election. Yeah. A, a, a much improved performance and share of the vote needs to happen in Fingal for her to hold on. So yes, they've gained one in, in, in Midwest, they've done quite well, but you'd have worries about one of their sitting TDs on the result on the results of these by-elections. Before we move on to Fingal, just in Midwest, because with each of these constituencies, I want to see what you know what the indications are for the general election. It'd be very tough for, for Sinn Féin to hold on to those two seats that they now hold in, in Dublin Midwest, wouldn't it? There well, any hope of doing that? And how would they do it if they did? Unless they absolutely eat Gino Kenny's vote. Unless they... they He's they, the PBP. Yes. The, the, like, so the last general election, Dublin Midwest returned Francis Fitzgerald, Fine Gael, John Kern of Fianna Fáil, Owner Brynn of Sinn Féin, and uh, Gino Kenny of people before profit. The way for Sinn Féin to hold that vote that they have, or the seat they have at Mark Ward, is to basically take out Gino Kenny and move and be the dominant force on the left in that constituency. There are a couple of things going in their favour. The Labour Party had a good day in the other four boy elections, not so much in Dublin Midwest, uh, 6.7% of the vote. Social Democrats, really bad day in Dublin Midwest, 4.1% of the vote. PBP, Solidarity, 5.1%. So if anybody is positioned to take and hold two seats on the left, you wouldn't put a past Sinn Féin. If the organisational heft and skill they showed is evident in a general election, look, it may, it, it's going to be difficult. There's no doubt about it. Paul Gogarty count as being on the left in any way? Because, I mean, a lot of people tipped him for the seat. He didn't we did, get there I, in the end. Including myself, I, I tipped him. He, he didn't get there in the end. You know, perhaps in a general, he, he, he could do it. I just think that, you know, it is extremely difficult to see, it's difficult to see Sinn Féin holding two out of four in a chair election, but not entirely impossible given the nature of the left vote out there. It's, you know, they, they are pretty much the kingpins 
in that. No, I always like now. hearing you talk about Dublin Fingal fake because you obviously know every highway and byway in in, <laughs> in, in, in Dublin Fingal, and the 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 kind of it's it's an interesting kind of rural urban mix as a yep. as a constituency. Um, you actually tipped um, Duncan Smith of Labour. I did, and, um, but I don't think you got it wrong in the same way as everybody got Dublin Midwest. You were always it was always going to be that was kind of a bit of a long call, and actually the the, the favourite for the seat, uh, Joe. Yeah, Biden, I, I kind of felt that. If Swords turned out that Duncan Smith could have a decent vote, I thought that was needed to counteract what I believe would be a strong vote in middle class areas for the Greens and so approved. When I saw turnout in Scaries at 33% on Friday evening, I kind of pretty much thought that was it, that Joe Ryan was going to do it because he's based in Scaries, the vote in Scaries would go to him. All the canvas returns were saying that the Greens were, 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 were strong there. That gave him a base to win the seat effectively. And then if you looked at the votes, the, the tallies from Malahide, Port Marnock, you know, he was doing, the Green Party were doing really, really well there. It was probably... Those are middle class areas. Middle class areas. There was a split between basically Lorraine Clifford Lee and Joe O'Brien in those areas, most of the time with, with Joe O'Brien coming out on top and, and, and a lot of boxes, but Lorraine Clifford Lee a close second, James Riley f- further back. Now bear in mind, they would traditionally be Fine Gael areas. So this speaks to the broader point about middle-class Dublin voting for the Greens, causing difficulty for uh, Fine Gael. The other thing about, like, turning swords around 20%, like, that kind of tells you a tale. And in, 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 I suppose, in tandem with that, Claire Daly's candidate, Dean Mulligan, did quite well. Got about 9.8 thereabouts percent of the vote, just shy of 10%, and actually did well in rural Fingal as well which was kind of Claire Daly's uh, residual brand, I suppose, helping mm. out. But it was, if you were the Labour Party, you wouldn't be too displeased. They got about 15% of the vote, came third. So not a bad day for them. But yeah, I think the thing about Joe O'Brien's victory is it's hard to see him being dislodged in general election. Now, I think that seat is his and that's one the Greens can take to the bank. And what about Labour? Because they performed fairly well there, Jennifer, as they did in Wexford when, when we get to that too. But it's they hold a seat there already, so there isn't the opportunity for a gain is there is there a um, sense of a transition, perhaps? From I think there's a sense that they are uh, bouncing back, um, and that they're they've increased their share uh, in in this by election in comparison to 2016. Um, they're not there yet. I think Duncan Smith has said that himself at the weekend. Um, that they're they're not quite at the place maybe where they'd like to be. But the signs are good. And I was chatting to Brennan Howland over the weekend, and he seemed quite buoyant. Actually, you know, I mean, it's a long, slow, painful road for them when you consider the way that other parties have bounced back or when you consider the rise of the Greens this year. Um, but I think they, they have a, they can, they've can a lot to to hold on to, I suppose, after the weekend. Is, is the contest between <clears throat> Joe O'Brien and, and Duncan Smith, do you think that's going to be replicated a lot of, across a lot of constituencies when we get to the general yeah, election? Yeah, I was just about to touch on that point, that the contest, one of the fiercest contests in the next election is going to be who is the leader of the centre-left grouping that will emerge after the next election. So we've already heard Brendan Howland talk about this, you know, progressive alliance of the left. Speaking, you know, milling around the count in Swords on Saturday, a couple of people in the Greens said that they really wanted to beat Labour in this constituency because they wanted to carry the momentum forward that could possibly propel them past the Labour Party in a general election to make sure that they are the dominant uh, group in the centre-left after next election. And the, the lessons from elsewhere in European politics has been... If the Greens get their nose in front of the traditional social democratic parties, that is bad news for that party. Because that's it. That's it. That then you become, you know, you can already see it, that the intake of younger people into the party, the younger activist core who are getting involved in politics, they're gravitating towards the Greens perhaps. And that fight is going to be one of the more fascinating contests of election. There is a seat for both parties in Dublin Fingal on these seats, on these on these figures. 
but the, the interesting thing about the green figures is this is the, the holding and again Greens at the count thought that this was an interesting thing about it this was the holding of the pattern we saw in the locals at the middle class areas sticking with the Greens and voting for them so on the basis of this vote you're talking a seat in Dunleary you know you're looking at a seat in Dublin Bay North are you looking at one probably in Dublin South Central a bit more on the edge but possibly then if you go around we had previously thought that the Social Democrats may get an extra seat with Gary Gannon in Dublin Central after the performance of the Social Democrats in the by-elections and the performance of the Greens I think there's a, a really good chance that Nasser Hurricane in Dublin Central could overtake him and take a seat on the centre-left in Dublin Central so this kind of I suppose under trajectory the Greens are on the course to unlock a number of seats that could propel them towards possibly 10 but, And does that stop people like A&R Weirdon from getting their seat back in Dublin Bay North? Possibly but not definitively We still don't know the final composition of the ticket there Do we think Tommy Brown is going to run again? Do we think Finney McGrath is going to run again? What effect does Keane... Like, the Social Democrats, in fairness to them, did well in that constituency in the locals. Does Keane O'Callaghan's vote carry through to a general? You know, he, I think, believes, probably would have as good a chance as any Social Democrat of taking a seat. But just that green flow, I think, now is is gaining momentum. Now, Eamon Ryan has, you know, set, set his target quite low, actually. I think most people would think at, at six seats, he says, he Bear hopes to mind. win. He used to tell us into the local elections he wanted 25. He's a past master at this. Exactly, he, he, yeah. Expectations are Managing lower, expectations, all the time, yeah. Yeah. I think what they really want, what they really like is 12 seats. Mm. It sounds like a lot, but... It does, if, because, if Fieke, Jennifer, just, I mean, Fix there mentioned three or four seats which look very good for them, but that still only brings them up to, to six or thereabouts. They'd have to be winning, what, in places like Wicklow, I suppose, to get up Yeah, to they, they, would, they would have to be winning outside of Dublin. But look, if you look at the position they've come from since the start of the year, even, they now have... Um, they've increased their, their councillors by the dozens. They have an MEP. And now they had their first by-election victory in the party's 38-year history. I mean, like, they've kind of confounded even people who thought that they would do well. So I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility to imagine them in and around that mark of, of 10, um, considering they now have three. Mm. I don't know if I said this in the program, on the podcast last week, but, you know, the brand is so strong. You know, I speak to someone, you know, a Fine Gael person who was, they were years ago, uh, polling a local electoral le- local electoral area of Hoth Malahoy, which straddles both Dublin Fingal and Dublin Bay North, it's split in two, and there was no green candidate showing, so they just made up a name of a green caller, Mary Smith, stuck her in the polling, and she came back twelve percent hmm. of the vote. So the brand is just the strength of the the you know brand is so is such now that you know you're looking at seats in Cork, perhaps Galway as well, hmm. where they, they they could take them. Look at Labour in ninety two, Labour in eleven. When the tide is with you, it's with you. Hmm. Moving to Cork. Um, in a way, it was the most predictable, I think, of the of the four contests, and and so it proved to be. But as we said, you know, Sinn Fein did probably slightly better than some people anticipated, and got a solid solid second showing. How much influence did the controversy that blew up over Dara Murphy's double jobbing influence yeah. influence something in Cork in particular? Because that's they they are the voters who were not being represented by Dara Murphy over the last three years or so, weren't they? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, it depends who you ask, really. If you ask someone in Fine Gael, like I heard the Thornish just Simon Coveney over the weekend saying that he didn't think that it had that much of an impact but it must have had an impact and Michal Martin was saying that in the final especially in the final few days of the campaign that it was one of the most serious issues that that was coming up um, and so yeah I mean there, there, it was widely expected that Porrick O'Sullivan would take that seat and he did a tw- uh, over 27% of the first preference vote um, I, you know I, I think Fine Gael would have hoped that if, if Colin Burke hadn't taken the first the first position that he would have at least come in second but of course Sinn Féin uh, kind of pipped that post uh, now, he would have pointed out that he wasn't that far behind Thomas Gould, I think it was around 
158 votes when he was eliminated. And, and he'd get elected in a general election if he got that chair of the vote, mm. no problem. Certainly that's the that's the the line that Fine Gael are clinging to. But what from what I'm hearing from from talking to people in the area is that that controversy around Darren Murphy has had an impact. And and you know, there's been a lot of conversation over the weekend about the low voter turnout, and it, it was, you know, sometimes a record-breaking low mm. in the case of Fingal. But can you really blame the electorate for not turning out to vote when we have politicians who don't even turn up to the doll? Um, and if, if, you know, there's that apathy around politics, can we be surprised there's an apathy? I know it's by-elections and they mm. have traditionally a, a lower turnout, but... You know, there's a, there's a few different angles to that and, and it, it, it can't have helped, basically. I should Confidence. just say, just in the event of listeners who aren't aware, that Dara Murphy is um, Fine Gael TD, former Minister of State, um, lost that position when, when Leo Varadkar became Taoiseach, was increasingly doing a job with the European People's Party, which is the Fine Gael European Party, and in fact has been doing that job full time and has now announced he will not be mm. standing in the in the next election. But effectively has been absent without leave but for the absent, last three but, uh, years. But, but fobbing in. But fobbing, fobbing in, in to, to get his to allowance. Get, to get Usually his allowance. on Mondays and Fridays. He's just Mondays. playing into the worst kind of cynicism about our politicians, really. Absolutely. Um, you know, the Dartmouth thing, it happened quite late in the campaign as well, like a day or two out. That he, first of all, there was a late night announcement that he wasn't going to stand again. And then, you know, people went trawling back to the record. So I, I'm not quite sure if it had a massive impact because it happened so late in such a dull campaign. I don't know if it suppressed people going to the polls. I thought Leo Radker dealt with it very badly. What do you think? Um, he was very dismissive. He was. I don't think he... I, I think the Fine Gael response do, doesn't take into account they see he's doing a European job. Yes, he's doing a European job with your allies in Europe. He's not doing a European job with the European Commission, the European Council, or the European Court of Justice, or someone like that, a, a, an arm of the European Union. I just, it doesn't, I don't think it, it chimes very well. Like the EPP, bear in mind, a lot of people who have an interest in European politics in Ireland view them in extreme distaste because they house people like Victor Orban within their umbrella. Um, you know, it's not the most cuddly political brand. I don't think it's good enough to say that he was off doing a job for Ireland. He wasn't, he was doing a job for Fine Gael if he wanted to do that, then perhaps Fine Gael should be subsidising him, not the taxpayer. That's the one thing about the, the, low, the low turnout, it was, it was repeated again and again, is that the proximity to the general election, that the six-month rule meant that these by-elections had to be held, but that people knew or, or know an election is coming, so kind of saw it as largely pointless. Why, why would you bother? And, um, yeah, I think, the, 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 as, as Jen said, um, uh, Colin Burke is well-positioned to, to take a seat at the general. And, you know, a lot of the bigger part, the, the two ba- bigger parties would always privately say that yes they want to win by elections it's nice to but it's really about positioning and yourself and that for may a be a recurring theme that may be another seat Jen where the uh, people for profit candidate may be in trouble yeah exactly and we're seeing this kind of replicated um, around the various different constituencies this sort of if you look at who had a good day and who had a bad day you know the the, the far left and the far right I think were the we're, we're the big losers here. So, you know, between them and the, the SOC Dems in, in, in the other constituents, Dublin and Midwest, I think they would have cause for concern. Um, the, the candidate that I mentioned there in the SOC Dems, obviously, is Anne-Marie McAnally, mm. um, very closely aligned to Catherine Murphy and Roshan Shorthall works in the Dáil. Um, I think they'd be very disappointed with that result. So we're seeing that kind of... It's Maybe it's too early to go into the exact reasons why they're seeing this kind of fall away, but, but I, I, there is cause for concern there in those parties, for sure, including in that constituency. 
Now, you were in Wexford. Yes. Um, which in some ways I think was the most dramatic of the constituencies because of the, the controversy around the Fine Gael candidate, Verona Murphy, which continued right on and up until Election Day with a, with a video she released then. Yeah, so, you know, I think most of the uh, listeners of this podcast probably be well aware of the comments that she made in relation to um, the Islamic State, ISIS and um, immigration and immigrants. What we saw was she she apologised once, she apologised twice, and the party seemed willing to accept that. Um, it was difficult for them to come out and defend, and it was it put Leo Varadkar in a tricky position in that he was seen canvassing with all his other, the other by-election candidates, you know, so he kind of had to go down to Wexford. So it was, it was a tricky one, but I think they felt maybe that they were out of the woods to a certain degree. And then she released mm. a video on her uh, uh, Facebook page. Now, I'm not sure if she made the video, but it was certainly, you know, she she later put up a post which um, echoed every, everything that so was said that in that she's video. So kind of show, indicated she approved of it and yeah, it went exactly. up on her Facebook page. And basically page it said that she, you know, it had the eye of the tiger, the survivor video, and said that she uh, had been subject to a character assassination. The people of Wexford are going to support Verona Murphy. They're not going to be dictated to by people inside the game. That presented a problem because what we saw then on Saturday, we, we heard Leo Varadkar out saying that the video was quite bizarre and that it wasn't endorsed by the party. And it has led to a real sense of alarm within Fine Gael um, about what to do about Verona Murphy. So now this was kind of all developing over Saturday. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Like it probably would have been one of the more, between that and Fingal, the more controversial constituencies. So she she arrived, uh, Verona Murphy arrived in the town centre somewhere between one and two o'clock. Um, when it was emerging, basically that she wouldn't win the seat. She was quite. And did she have anything to say on this subject at that point? No, she she did. She actually spoke three times, tw- twice to the media, and she gave a speech at the very end um, when the the final results were in. In the first doorstep she gave, she was beside the Minister for Justice, uh, Charlie Flanagan, and she said, you know, that she was encouraged by the results and. She had heard a lot of issues on the doorsteps and she was ready to hit the ground running for the general election. She was tackled immediately by various journalists on those claims. I asked her where did she get, what was the basis in fact for her claims about ISIS? And she said that was for another day. And other journalists asked her, you know, how had her character been assassinated? And if it was her case that her character had been assassinated, did that mean that her apology that she gave was now withdrawn? And she didn't want to answer that and she kind of left the media scrum. She really had nothing to say. She kept saying it was for another day. Later on, when she was just uh, about to be eliminated, she emerged and spoke to the media again and she reiterated her position that she's going to run in the general election and once again wouldn't answer questions on um, basically her position in the party because by this stage it had emerged that other ministers or different constituencies weren't really getting behind her and she was mm. asked about that and that they, they other ministers didn't believe that her character was assassinated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she did, she wouldn't comment Interestingly on that. Interestingly um, the kind of vibes in the party the middle of last week say Wednesday, Thursday in advance of polling day what I was picking up was that they were ready to move on that they found it hard to see how they could deselect her for the ticket it was much the feeling at the, the higher levels in the party was okay let's just get through this Let's get through the count. Hope it goes okay. Hope she gets a decent enough result. And I'll leave it calm down for a few weeks and months and then go back. But the, I definitely was left with the impression, talking to people who would know, that she will be the candidate. But I don't know. I think the video may have changed that. But Pat Lee, our colleague in the lead story yeah. in this morning's newspaper, indicates that there's lots of mutterings within yes. Fine Gael about, not, about deselecting her yeah. or not putting her did, on did, the did, what, did, There was a good bit of chatter before this video emerged that 
she perhaps wasn't listening to the party, that, you know, that she wasn't telling the party when she was speaking to people such as Jennifer or other journalists that they were a bit concerned about how they would control all this. And I think that the, I, after that video came out on Friday night and then as the day went on Saturday, you heard ministers say what they said. I'm chatting to kind of senior people in the party and I've never heard people so angry about that video. Just, you know, this isn't what we stand for. This isn't what we believe. You know, this wasn't sanctioned. They were just really disgusted by it. And I just wonder if she could be deselected. She she probably will be deselected now on the basis of what we're hearing. But like there was a moment last week when she wasn't. And yeah. this video is possibly what put the tin hat in. They presumably feel she can't be trusted. They'd, see, they, they'd so. see her as a loose cannon, all right, yeah. That they, they just don't know. Like the, I think the experience of the, of, of the by-election hasn't endeared them towards her standing in the general election. But, that, but the other thing is, this is a by-election, a lot of intense focus on four constituencies, really on one and two, Fingal and then this one. You know, a national campaign is nationwide. Things get lost in the mists and swarms there. But yeah, that's not true. But, the but there, there, there's a counter argument there, which is that you know, and a number of people have said over the last couple of days that Finnegale's brand was damaged mm. over the course of the last week because of the two controversies that that we talked about about Dara Murphy uh, and Verona Murphy, and that these kinds of issues in the era of Twitter and Facebook they can just blow up. This yeah. this by your account, relatively minor candidate in in one of many constituencies, they can still do something which tarnishes yeah. tarnishes the, the entire party. After the controversy with Lorraine Clifford Lee and her old tweets, you know, a lot of people in the parties were looking at this and going, okay, this is the way the campaign. The next general election is going to be run. Really intense bursts of controversy in a particular issue that say something about parties or candidates that quickly subside, but possibly a lingering distaste among certain sections of the electorate. So we could be in for a really nasty election, general election campaign, on the basis of what we've seen in the by elections. People saying things that they think they can get away with now because there is a, an anti immigrant sentiment unleashed in some respects. And then, and a, you know, this kind of really, uh, I suppose, ag- aggressive shaking down of, of political opponents, like the way, like bear in mind the language that Leo Varadkar used about Lorraine Clifford Lee, yeah. that he didn't then use about his own candidate, you know. There's kind of, it's just, just all this residual bad will built up after these by-elections and that'll be probably unloosed yeah. in a general. And after years of, of being yeah. not in government together, that as well, I mean, that, that'll all burst at the seams. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you touch on the issue of the immigration being a, a big part and be a big part of the next general election campaign. We know that the government are moving to open, they want, they need to open new centres. And this issue that happened in Ackle will likely be replicated around the country. So we're likely to see more we, of these kind of comments. We can't entirely discount it. Like Gemma O'Doherty got a thousand votes. She got a thousand votes, Fingal, yeah. Like yeah. Do you see that as significant? I think it's, uh, I didn't think she'd poll as high. Um, I, I kind of like, you know, you know, when you look at the field, you have that guy, Charlie Keddy, who ran in every constituency. I was kind of, you know, bump, bump, bunching her in with him, you know, a couple of hundred votes. But no, she got a thousand votes. Just so that's behind. nearly, nearly 5%. Just, just, yeah, yeah, just shy of, four. I think she got 4%, just shy of the Social Democrats. Like, it's not nothing. It's still a thousand votes in a constituency where turnout was like the abysmal when 25,000 people voted. Like, you know, and you could it, is, see, it is kind of concerning. It, it, could be the, it could be the case the candidates now are, are dipping their toe in the water and mm. testing what is their reaction to comments like this? Mm. What is the reaction... A, in the media, and B, locally, amongst my potential support bases. Two different things. 
You know, we're so, not the ones who who vote. We're just the ones who report on it. Mm. So um, I, I do think that'll be a massive is- issue in the general election. Um, and presumably then that's, you know, that's an issue for everybody, obviously, but it's particularly an issue for the large parties. If yeah. if other Verona Murphys pop up on well, the I tickets, don't, yeah. saying things of that sort, how do they deal with that? Well, I don't think Fine Gael handled it well at all. I really don't. I, they didn't really distance themselves from the candidate. They just distanced themselves from her remarks and they still went canvassing with her. And I personally think it's a bad look. Um, and it can't have helped. I mean, look at the overall picture after the weekend of of all the parties, they did the worst, you know, and of, of anyone who would have the, the cause from most where I think it would be, would be Fine Gael. She's still got 24% of the vote. Let's not forget that. She's still got 24% of the vote. Second to uh, Fianna Fáil down there, 32, 31.2% of the vote. So, you know, there were people, ministers, others, saying towards the end of last week before the video came up okay, you know, what she said was regrettable, but we can't ignore this sentiment that's out there. Look what happened in Ross Lair, um, the people who, who were found on the back of Lurie in Ross Lair as we, so there was almost this kind of, ooh, like, you know, okay, do we, do we cast her aside or do we, do we try and deal with this in our own way? She did get 24% of the vote. Let's not entirely discount that in the post analysis. Okay, big picture. Um, I think we've kind of got quite a lot of it so far. Uh, not so good for... The people before profit, um, hard left in, in, and independence, um, a bit of a resurgence for Sinn Féin after a dreadful election in June. The green wave, or however you want to characterise it, is still waving mm. a bit. Uh, um, signs of hope for the Labour Party. Fianna Fáil, a very good, solid performance, delivering on the ground in a way that Michal Martin, I think, would be quite, quite proud of. And then the big question is Fine Gael. Not good. Now, it's not exactly unprecedented for a government party to get a bit of a kicking or not to do no, well in by-elections. Well, like, you know, it, they had a modest goal and that was to win one and they didn't win that. Um, and, you know, like they they use the line that governments traditionally don't win by-elections. I mean, they've won by-elections, governments have won by-elections in the past. Um, and I think they there will be soul-searching to try and discover exactly why they missed out, for example, on, on Emer Higgins' seat. Um, and they did. I think, Fiag, you were tweeting about the resources being put in to, yeah. in social media campaign. We well, should that get was the big. social media spend on her final week of the campaign today. I think there was like, you know... Really? That'd be interesting. I think it was almost three grand they spent in the penultimate week of the campaign on her Facebook advertising. It'd be interesting to see today when Facebook published her weekly stats about how much they actually spent in the final week. Like three grand in it, it context of political advertising on Facebook is pretty big. Is it? Yeah. It's funny because it, 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 it doesn't seem it. Doesn't, it doesn't sound that much. It doesn't sound it, but the other parties saw this and went, whoa, three grand on one candidate, you know, but it is quite big. And like, I think the eve of polling, they had a big trailer at the Lord Lucan, like this big, huge screen saying, vote Emer Higgins, like it was, they were throwing everything at her. Yeah. Didn't get her over the line, but she is well positioned to take a seat in the general election, as is Colin Burke. Um, I think they could. I, if I was Fine Gael, I would be worried about the Greens in middle class areas. I just think that trend kiboshed them in the locals because the Fianna Fáil vote in kind of lower middle class areas came out. Fine Gael was suppressed by the Greens in middle class areas. That is, and we saw they learned something from that because the attacks that Leo Varadkar mounted on the Greens in the intervening period between now and the local elections were all about that. So that's one to watch, I think, for Fine yeah, Gael. they're stealing Fine Gael's clothes. And anybody who talks to Fine Gael will say that. They're taking our votes. We'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Jennifer and Fiek, for coming in after a busy weekend.
And that's it for today's podcast. Just to say that we're going to do something again this Christmas, which we did last year as well, which I thought worked out pretty well, which was we're going to ask you to ask us anything. Send in questions to us at politicspodcast at irishtimes.com. Preferably send them in the form of an audio recording so we can hear your lovely voices and they can be broadcast out to our audiences. Send them into politicspodcast at irishtimes.com. Any questions for the group as a whole or for our individual political team. That's it for today. As I said, thanks very much indeed to Suzanne and to Declan on the desk. Uh, Remember, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and Acast or your preferred podcast provider. Um, And you can mail me at hlinnanatirishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. Until the next time, thanks for listening. You know, consulting firms are like onions. Layer after layer after layer after layer. You just don't get the answer or the person you need. You just get irritation. Ready for an approach with less bureaucracy? Welcome to Grant Thornton Audit Tax and Advisory. It's not status quo, it's status go. 